We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Gibbs.net show XZBN. I'm going to continue on uh, discussing the breadth and depth of synchronicities. More particularly, I'm going to deal with alternative synchronicity theories today and their practical application. My show explores in depth and breadth five topical issues which are highly problematic and exceedingly um, in the uh, paper's eye. I want to encourage you, the listener, to send me questions on any of these topics, and I uh, will try to answer them uh, as I get them. These topics are the prevention of heroin and opioid addiction uh, that really works, a primer for first responders in, uh, and other people who are interested in effectively managing their anxiety, frustration, depression, and stress without the use of medication, a suggestion for training of police and citizens uh, to help them find a, an effective way to de-escalate potential violence. Another issue is answering questions for all of you who are thinking about possibly getting into some form of um, psychological uh, treatment, uh, psychotherapy, psychoanalysis, 
the kinds of things you would be interested in as to when does a patient or when does a person become a patient? Uh, how do you know which school to pick out of the 365 different schools? Uh, how long does it last? Does change come about? How does it come about? What is it? And uh, how do you end and so forth? And then the final topic uh, that, that I have been exploring in depth and breadth is the nature and uses of meaningful coincidences. Today, I will focus essentially on two alternative theories, one being Jung, whose theory dominates the synchronicity scene by about 95% to 5, and then there are a few people like me in the 5% range who have a um, radically different alternative form of uh, synchronicity theory, um, and that I will present the two and contrast and compare them. Uh, some of you may wonder why I seem to be spending so much time on uh, theory building or theory describing and feel that you're a little um, put off by what may seem to be overly intellectual or heady and want to get, or understandably want to get to the meat and potatoes of what do you do with these things and how do you apply them in your own life if you are so interested. Uh, I concur. I get your point. However, in my 50-year exploration of these fascinating things, I have found that there's a line in Joyce and Ulysses which makes perfectly good sense to me about this and frankly anything else that I find complex and interesting, which is the longest way round is the shortest way home. If you really want to know something and feel that you've grasped it in depth, you really got to get into the nitty-gritty details. Uh, now, of course, there are those among you who will say, I'm not interested in details. Just give me answers. Show me the way. Uh, that's fine. That's how I started with this topic and found that um, while I felt giddy almost at times, when I had synchronicities and felt that I was actually being guided by what I felt at the time were spiritual messages from some transcendent external source, and having wanted answers to important questions, I found that when I had synchronicities, uh, it seemed to be that I was getting, I was being fulfilled in my urge to get answers. And that was nice until I discovered that uh, it wasn't really working. The answers were confusing. It was sort of, you know, most people will describe their attitudes to being um, or to having synchronicities as being on the right road or it feels like there's a validation that uh, if you're stuck with choices, that if you go if you go this way or go that way, it seems to validate your choice. It gives you hope. It gives you a sense that you're not alone. You know what I'm talking about. And this is all fine. However, for me, as I went on, and when I say go on, it meant that I was also in the midst of two psychotherapy experiences because I felt stuck in terms of my life and discovered that no matter how hard I tried to be a good patient and really mull over the material and work on myself and so forth, I continued to have what I would refer to as a major impasse and felt 
Clint essentially stuck. Now, this was also in the context of my having um, discovered uh, the esoteric occult in the form of uh, an immersion in what I would call occult pathways, meaning esoteric astrology and tarot and I Ching. Uh, we will have to continue on at the end of this break. This is Kevin Randall. For nearly 30 years, I have been investigating the case of the Roswell UFO. I have interviewed hundreds of people and stood on the crash site. Now in Roswell in the 21st century, I have reviewed dozens of hours of audio and videotaped interviews, examined hundreds of files that relate to the crash, and have returned to Roswell in an attempt to put all that information into the proper perspective. For the first time in Roswell in the 21st century, I have made a dispassionate reevaluation of all that material and provide a new look at what happened. This is a book that clears away all the clutter that has hidden the truth for so long, strips away the various lies that surround the case, exposes the Air Force attempts at cover-up, and found a core of solid information that tells us all where the case stands today. Roswell in the 21st Century will be available in just a few weeks. For more information, please visit my website at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. Gibbs A. Williams, Ph.D., is a practicing psychoanalyst, supervisor, researcher, and author in New York City. Much of his life has been dedicated to understanding nature and the uses of meaningful coincidences or synchronicities. His radical and original non-Jungian, non-mystical, non-magical theory of synchronicities illuminates much of the fog surrounding this challenging and perplexing topic. His ideas and manners are fresh, presented in a style that is both entertaining and highly informative. He is also an expert on crisis intervention specially focused on violence reduction for the police and citizens, mastering anxiety, frustration and stress without the use of medication, and effectively preventing and treating heroin addiction. Dr. Williams can be contacted at his email address at gwwilliamsny11 at aol.com or visit his website at www.drgibbswilliams.com. This is Johanna Carroll, host of Dialogue with Divinity on the X-Zone Broadcast Network. While walking along Kanapali Beach in Maui this past year, I kept discovering all these shells and coral in the shape of hearts. My Dialogue with Divinity was very simple. Do you want me to do a retreat to heal people's hearts in Maui next year? And of course, the answer was yes. As a master spiritual teacher, I am offering you a neat retreat called Rise, May 8th through the 12th, 2017, and the chance of a lifetime to rest at a five-star resort for five days and experience a spiritual renewal of your heart and soul. Kanapali is one of the top five beaches in the world. This stunning resort has undergone a $40 million renovation. I walk the entire property 
checked out the room choices on your behalf, and I must say it is stunning. Our conference room faces the ocean with sliding glass doors. Maui is known as Mother Maui because it is a soft, gentle, healing energy. In the embrace of Mother Maui, you will feel yourself rising from the limitations of an ordinary life to an extraordinary journey of peace, bliss, and harmony, a greater sense of clarity. Our rise retreat ignites renewal in the sacred elements of air, water, earth, fire, and wind. There's plenty of free time to enjoy all that Maui has to offer. A small deposit is required now to reserve your space as this retreat, it will sell out. For more details, please go to johannacarroll.com and register today. Aloha, and I'll see you in mystical Maui. Welcome back to the Ask Dr. Gibbs show. I left off at a point where I said that in my search for wholeness and meaning, I had discovered the esoteric occult. I also discovered spirituality in the form of attending on a weekly basis the First Spiritualist Church of New York, where I met some extremely interesting people and uh, consulted mediums who purportedly uh, were able to retrieve messages from dead relatives and master teachers and so forth. Found it all exciting and uh, interesting, but eventually my own psychological problems got in the way and I sank into my all too familiar sense of meaninglessness and depression and anxiety and all sorts of other symptoms. So that pathway, while it was interesting, did not sustain my quest for I guess, enlightenment. Uh, In the midst of all of this, I, at the age of 19, began keeping a journal of what I felt were important events. What's an important event? Old snatches of one-liners that you get out of the paper and reading books. You come across certain quotes to grab your attention or dreams or special moments you know, whatever whatever captures your fancy. It's different than a diary, which is an ongoing record of everything you do. It's not everything you do. It's everything you do that you feel is special. I urge you, as I have stated before, if you are at all interested in this topic, at the end of this presentation, please go out, get yourself a notebook, uh, title the first page, My Journal, and start writing. Anything that comes to mind. You may do as much or as little as you wish, but keep the journal, and it's very important to date it. Why? Because when you have a synchronicity, you should have a separate book for writing out your meaningful coincidences, date those, and then dovetail the date of the synchronicity with where you have um, entered journal uh, entries and fit them together. I'll explain why as we go on. I also indicated that there are essentially five different perspectives or attitudes. We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. 
Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. To make a rich, smooth cold brew, Tim Horton steeps 100% Arabica beans for 16 hours. What could be richer than that? Well, uh... How about blending in swirls of sweet Irish cream? Rich enough? Ooh, I guess. Not quite. Because Tim Hortons tops that cold brew with the cloud of sweet cold foam. Now, what could be richer than that? Nothing? Exactly. Irish cream cold brew with cold foam now at Tim Hortons. Or try cold foam on any of your Tim Hortons favorites. Modifications extra for a limited time at participating U.S. locations. Uh, to your experiences of synchronicities. The first is simply noting them, collecting them, sharing them. Uh, on um, Facebook, for example, there are a few uh, synchronicity um, sites where you can get a really uh, good overview of the kinds of uh, meaningful coincidences that people have. And they're really quite interesting. They're quite fascinating, and certainly to the people who have them. And there are all sorts of questions raised and so forth. I hope that when you have these things, if they interest you or anything about them, I can um, induce you to take whatever questions you're likely to have, send them to me. You can do so on uh, Facebook, which uh, has a site called Ask Dr. Gibbs, or you can uh, write to me personally at gwilliamsny11 at aol.com. I'd be happy to get your questions, and I will try to answer all the um, all of them as I'm able to do so. The next response to synchronicities, besides collecting and sharing them, is to what I refer to as bathe in the numinosity surrounding them. What is numinosity? It's a feeling of at one minute, a feeling of being, being in the presence of um, something uncanny and, quote, spiritual, close quote. Uh, it's not unlike what the mystics refer to as a kind of at one minute experience. It's very exciting. There's a sense of uh, meaningfulness and so on. Uh, you can simply do that. And that may be enough to uh, rouse you into feeling uh, it's nice to be alive. If you want to engage your intellect, the next uh, attitude is what are the implications of these things? And most of you uh, will probably uh, agree with what Jung believed was that you are in the presence of some kind of external realm of absolute meaning and synchronicities are a, collect a uh, connection with what he believes is a sense of unus mundus in which everything is uh, connected and connected spiritually. And the synchronicities are seemingly uh, retrieved, passive retrieved channeled messages from a connection with the sense of the all and absolute wisdom and so forth. And uh, that, of course, is um, that's no simple matter. That, that's, that's big news. If that's true, then not only is the world spiritualized, but through synchronicities and I guess other pathways, you are able to make a connection with, let's call it, divine wisdom. And what's divine wisdom? Well, I guess it's uh, a sense that somebody out there knows you're alive, so you get a feeling of uh, resonance with some kind of helping consciousness. Um May f you may feel that you're getting good advice as to how to handle uh, impasse situations, 
choices of all kinds, and so forth. That's, that's really important. If, however, you further consider the implications, that one of the implications of these things, as I've said, that you're in connection with some kind of external spiritual source, that's fine. However, um, how do you know that's true? Uh, or what does that really mean? It means that there is some kind of universal consciousness that is really out there. You're obviously making a connection with it. But if you really get past your own excitement and start to raise questions such as, why are you so, um, why are you so valuable? Why, why, why is this happening to you? Why is it happening to everybody universally? Or is it that you simply were able to find a way to um, check into it and others are sort of ignorant and blind and maybe they'll get enlightened one day? You get the point. Further, if you're getting a message, who or what are you getting a message from? And what are you supposed to do with the message? Because these things are often encoded form and you may get a sense of, well, you should do this or that. But um, it doesn't seem to be very person specific from my vantage point. In any event, perhaps indeed you are making a connection with some transcendent external force. However, maybe you're not. If you're not, well, then what are you connecting with? And such questions like that led me to begin a 50-year research, which I'm still in the middle of, where I go back and forth between assuming that maybe there is this external source and try to explore what it is and how it works and so forth. However, at the same time, raising the question of what if there's not, then there are more questions raised than answered. And from my vantage point, to give you a sense of where I'm coming from, I believe that you, in fact, are the source of your own messaging. And that ultimately, the bottom line is that as a way of breaking impasses, because these things seem to start in a um, context of being stuck with some problem, either in identity or vocational or love issues or what have you, you're stuck. And you want a sense of guidance. You can't break the, you don't know what to do, you're stalled. You can't go forward, you can't go back, you can't stay in the middle. And there's a, a felt sense for some kind of external guidance that will help you break your impasse so you can break out of the, what I think is a self-imposed uh, trap. Well, how do you do that? Well, to give you a sense of the bottom line, I think if your attitude is not to give up but to persist in finding an answer to something that seems un unsolvable, I believe it stimulates what I think is everybody's own unique creative process, which I will describe in some detail as we go on, that ultimately, if the process works, you will become, uh, you will find that you will solve what seems to be an impossible problem, and you become a very good problem solver, and it takes the form of a synchronicity, which has to be further decoded, and I think if you treat it like a waking dream, you'll find the answer to what you are looking for. Um, depending upon the way you make certain assumptions about the nature of reality, let me backtrack. I discovered that in order to determine which um, 
pathway to go or which theory to go? Now let me let me backtrack further. I asked in the beginning, what's what's the reason why what theory you have, implicit or explicit, has anything to do with what you're interested in? You want the meat and potatoes. You want these things. You want to be able to interpret them and apply them practically for your own benefit. The benefit, I think, which is to uh, find a way to break personal impasses. You want to get out of the trap that you've set for yourself. I have found that alternative theories about anything that's important are going to determine the specifics of how you are going to free yourself from these impasses. Alternative forms or alternative theories lead to alternative, uh, what I call organizing concepts, with which you are going to use to sort out the raw data of your personal experience, to clarify. And in the clarification process, it's going to lead, and this is the important part, to alternative forms of attitudes towards or ways of interpreting or ways of making sense out of the specific synchronicities you have. Theory one is going to lead to, let's say the Jungian theory, is going to lead to making a connection, a felt connection with what is assumed to be this absolute um, realm of knowledge, which you're going to essentially passively receive or channel the information that will be in the form of a synchronicity, which will largely be experienced in terms of sensing, feeling, and intuition, which leads again to the idea of being bathed in luminosity and feeling that you are surrounded by uh, spiritual sources with the idea of just follow the yellow brick road and you will get to where you want to go. Now, many people do that. I guess it's called faith. Many people do it and are highly satisfied. And I would suspect that most people who are listening to this or interested in synchronicities may indeed um, follow that way. That's good. As I said, I tried. Um, I was excited. I was bathing in luminosity, but I was not breaking my impasses and felt that um, all of this stuff is rich and nice to talk about, but not frankly getting me any place uh, to where I wanted to be. That led me to um, look at, actually it propelled me into an 11 year psychoanalysis three times a week on the couch with no insurance. Why'd I do that? I did that because I discovered Freud. And when I read Freud, it was one of those experiences where I have mentioned you had that sense of picking up a pocketbook or a book or a movie or whatever, and you have the feeling of resonance that it's speaking to your direct um, experience, and it's it's like meant for you. And there are messages in there. It, it's it's like a mirror which shows you what your issue is and how to resolve it and the pathway and induces you to take the same trip and so on. And when you do, there's the sense of yourself, <clears throat> excuse me, evolving and expanding. I guess it's called consciousness expanding. You literally feel that you've gotten, at least temporarily, out of the box you're in, and you've been able to progress. At this point, we'll have to uh, take another break. We'll continue in a few minutes.
Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Wouldn't you love to know the secret to everything? Well then, meet Dr. Kimberly McGeorge and her cutting-edge, breakthrough knowledge that combines science with possibility. Dr. Kimberly brings real-life answers and healing to those open to alternative solutions. She teaches solution-based programs and classes that will change all areas of your life forever. Specializing in conscious creation, intuitive readings, and energy medicine, you can rapidly shift health, relationships, business, and money and abundance challenges quickly. Receive her best-selling book, Secret to Everything, at no cost by going to secrettoeverything.com forward slash xzone. That's right. Transformation can start now. Just go to secrettoeverything.com forward slash xzone and receive Dr. Kimberly's book for free. While science pursues fact, magic accesses the quantum level, bridging random facts to form truth. As long as science and magic remain separate and polarized, the truth cannot be known. I'm Gwilda Wiecka. Join me on the Science of Magic radio program, dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. During each episode, I'll be speaking with experienced and respected scientists and mystics. From astrologers to astronomers, from medical doctors to shaman, the scientific method to dowsing and intuition, we'll weave together information from seemingly divergent practices to promote unity and enlightenment. Join me, Gwilda Wiyaka, and the Science of Magic right here on the Mutual Broadcast Network. For more information, visit www.thescienceofmagic.net. I am Dr. Carl O'Helvey, founder, president of a new cancer foundation focusing on evidence-based physical, mental, and spiritual interventions, including natural cancer cures, prayer, meditation, affirmations, nutrition, and other related holistic cancer prevention and cure modalities. These are used in cancer education, research, and financing care. I ask for your help to continue this important work by donating. We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. 
Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. At www.holisticcancerfoundation.com. Welcome back to the Ask Dr. Gibbs show. I left off at a point where I indicated that I became increasingly aware of at least two distinct perspectives in trying to understand the nature and use of meaningful coincidences. You got the, let's call it the spiritual, um, not necessarily verses, but <clears throat> standing in contrast to what I would believe is a, a more naturalistic um, approach to understanding synchronicities. The way of describing uh, different theories I discovered in my research have to do with making certain fundamental assumptions about the nature of reality, the knowledge of reality, and how you ex- access reality or access, access that knowledge of reality, which is speculative philosophy. Another perspective has to do with uh, the nature of psychology and its application to how we know anything. A third perspective is um, assumptions about the nature of spirituality. A fourth is the nature of a so-called occult uh, experience. And finally, the method by which we generally get that kind of knowledge is through uh, the use of an understanding and application of scientific method. All of these knowledge bases are either explicit or implicitly used for theory building. Once you have a theory, as I said, alternative theories are going to directly lead to utilizing uh, certain organizing concepts with which you are going to place or put or study an individual synchronicity, which will lead directly to different perspectives on how you're going to interpret the so-called embedded message. So a different, different theories are going to directly lead to different ways of perceiving the uses of these things, which is the meat and potatoes of what everybody's interested in. Um, give you an example. You wake up in the morning and you have a toothache and it's terrible. And you say to yourself, oh no, I hope I don't have to go to the dentist. So you let it go for a couple of days. It either gets better and it's one of those things or it gets worse and you say, damn, I have to go to the dentist. All right, you go to the dentist. Reluctantly. You go to him, he says, what's the problem? You say, I got a pain in my mouth. He says, where? You point to a tooth. He says, what do you think? Well, you have a pretty good thought. Your theory is that you have a really deep cavity and you're going to have to get it drilled out and filled. And he says, well, you know, you may be right. However, how about we take an x-ray and see if maybe there's something else or to confirm your theory? 
So he takes an X-ray, comes back and says, you know, you're pretty good. That's uh, you're right. You've got a major cavity. However, the X-ray shows that underneath the cavity is a problem with a root canal. And so he has an alternative theory. Now, from your vantage point, you would prefer that your theory is better than his because it's going to be less expensive and less painful. However, if you want the job to be done right, you're going to have to go along with him. So you're going to wind up having a process which is going to um, consist of both um, you know, filling the decay, taking out the decay, but more importantly, drilling the channel so you can fix up your root canal problem. It's going to run you more money, but you're going to get a good resolution to your problem. You get the point. So theory, the choice of theory that you use with respect to any impasse is really going to determine what are you going to do? How are you going to use it? And that's going to depend upon what's your overall aim. Now, with respect to that, um, there are two quotes by Freud and Jung. Let me, let me backtrack. In my discovery of um, the history of theory building with respect to synchronicities, there is an implicit war or dialogue that started thousands of years ago between Plato and Aristotle, in which that dialogue relative to the issue of synchronicities has continued on and is presently um, alive with different, different theories of synchronicities as emulated by Jung on the one hand, who's essentially a Platonist, and Freud, who's essentially an Aristotelian. They as you would think, have made different assumptions, different philosophical assumptions, di different um, ideas or assumptions about depth psychology, different assumptions about the esoteric occult and spirituality, and a different view of science. When you take those differences and you apply them to understanding or theory building, which is going to lead to, as I said, or different organizing questions, which is ultimately going to lead to entirely different views of synchronicities and what to do with them. Ultimately, you're trying to get at what's the best way of decoding the seeming messages that you're getting out of synchronicities. Now, I'm aware most people probably are not going to labor to do all this stuff, and you're going to just take whatever you want. That's fine. But for those who want to proceed on with the idea that, like Spinoza's idea, anything that is worth accomplishing is as rare, is as difficult as it is rare. If you want to really get down with the program, if you want to really have what I call person-specific information, then you're going to have to do the work, which shouldn't really feel like work. It should be fun. You're going to expand your mind. You're going to expand your consciousness. You're going to get interested in material that perhaps you haven't really looked at before. I think it makes your life incredibly richer. And uh, to boot, I think this topic is truly on the mainstream of um, a, a huge uh, battle between those, let's call it faith and reason, or spirituality, whatever that is, and science and so on. Anybody who's on the front lines of this knows exactly what I'm talking about. It's, it is in the air. Why don't you come aboard and join in to your own personal research? Um, a prime example, 
I want you to imagine the following. This is how this all came to be. Jung, as I said, has a 95% lock on the whole issue of um, synchronicities, that they exist, they're not figments of your imagination, they're important, and seemingly um, signal that you are in the presence of something extraordinarily important that leads to significant change and expansion of consciousness and so forth. I want you to imagine you're Jung, or you're a psychoanalyst, and you've been working with a patient, a woman, who's dutifully comes to the sessions uh, three times a week. And she's been complaining about the fact that she doesn't feel too womanly. She would like to feel more feminine. And she doesn't. That she seems to be caught up in overthinking and judging and would like to feel more sexy and soft and tender and so forth. She doesn't. In Jungian terms, she is overwhelmed by having too much animus male, masculine identification, and too little anima, uh, presumably feminine identification. So he sees her. He understands. And being grounded in Freudian uh, psychoanalytic theory, he deduces that she's probably suffering from a defensive um, splitting of her experience into being able to think things, see things, perceive things, quite acutely, but when it comes to adding feelings, it's, for some reason or other, it's a threat to her, and uh, she's scared of it, and she doesn't do it. So she she splits her experience into two in, relative to thinking and feeling, overemphasizes the thinking part, and underemphasizes the feeling part, and that's called a defensive isolation of affect, so that you have no problem thinking, but you can't somehow add the feelings to it. And anybody who has this knows that this, this goes along with people who are obsessive compulsive or lawyer types who uh, have to be perfect and know everything. And um, you get my point. And it leads to different styles of personality. Nothing bad about it. it in certain ways, it's, um, it's fine. You are who you are. You may have a personality type that overthinks and underfeels or overfeels and underthinks and so forth, makes the world richer. But if you're the person and you are feeling comfortable with it, you be who you are. If you want more and you can't uh, experience it, then ultimately you may be led to seek out somebody uh, like a therapist who deals with this stuff and tries to understand, well, how did this happen? What's your past history? Behavior is purposeful, so maybe you need to have this, implying that maybe Feeling somehow is a danger for you and to try to understand the uh, implications of that when it started, what it's with. That's called analysis. So he has this patient. Uh, He knows exactly what's wrong. They concur. Then the meat and potatoes is, what do we do with this? How do we help this woman break out of her self-imposed trap? How can she break out of an isolation of ethics so she can spontaneously feel rich and feminine? He's puzzled, as many therapists are at this point. It is not unusual in the course of effective therapy for both the therapist and the patient to reach some kind of therapeutic impasse where both are sort of scratching their heads, if they're honest, and they don't know what to do. Well, I guess you can, at this point, uh, 
if you're the patient, leave treatment, try something else. Or if you're the therapist, acknowledge painfully that you don't know what to do or you're lost or you're confused and treat and guess that maybe what's happening is that you have a transference, counter-transference lock, which happens in all good therapies, meaning the therapist may find that he has a similar problem as the patient. And he's got to work on himself to free himself of his own defensive, let's say, isolation of affect. So he's got to analyze himself. In order to do that, you have to be very courageous in, in uh, coming forth with the realization that you don't know, you're lost. And you have to obviously find some solution to your problem or you're not going to be able to uh, continue on, at least with that patient or other patients like her. So in mulling over this impasse, he says to himself, you know, this lady needs some kind of a shock, some kind of a surprise that's going to free herself spontaneously from this rigid wall of overthinking or over-rationality. She's got to experience some kind of irrational something or other. Now, that was conscious in Jung's mind. Now, note, you're Jung. The next day, your patient comes in, and says, I had an incredible dream. You say, tell me your dream. She says, in the middle of the dream, she has an experience which knocked her socks off. What is it? That someone hands her or opens her hand and in her hand places a golden scary, uh, which is a sort of orange yellowish um, for her, it was a piece of jewelry who had that coloration of a um, scarab uh, coloration and uh, puts it into her hand. Her experience of being handed this piece of ju colored jewelry is to be shocked, shocked in a good way. We will continue on with what that good way was in a couple of minutes. As host of Dialogue with Divinity, I am thrilled to join the Exxon Broadcast Network and their growing number of affiliates. My quest for a connection to the divine ignited my successful career path as an international spiritual counselor for over 40 years, an author of four books, and well-known metaphysical educator. My clients call me their spiritual mama. So my job is to offer you a radio show to help you grow spiritually with wisdom and get specific tools from guests who are experts in their field. Tune in to Dialogue with Divinity and be part of the conversation with Spirit. My goal, your happy soul. For more information, please visit my website at johannacarroll.com. soon to the Exxon Broadcast Network is a different perspective with me, Kevin Randall, as your host. We'll be taking a close look at what is happening in the world of UFOs today with side trips into the paranormal. 
guests will range from those who are household names to those who have a different perspective on a variety of topics. No topic will be taboo, but there will be tough questions asked as we all search for the truth about UFOs, the paranormal, and those things that excite us. Sometimes we'll agree with a guest and sometimes we won't, but we'll try to keep the program topical. For those of you who like to read, be sure to visit www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com and remember to listen to the other fine programs on the X-Zone Broadcast Network at www.xzbn.net. This is Kevin Randall. For nearly 30 years, I have been investigating the case of the Roswell UFO. I have interviewed hundreds of people and stood on the crash site. Now in Roswell in the 21st century, I have reviewed dozens of hours of audio and videotaped interviews, examined hundreds of files that relate to the crash, and have returned to Roswell in an attempt to put all that information into the proper perspective. For the first time in Roswell in the 21st century, I have made a dispassionate reevaluation of all that material and provide a new look at what happened. This is a book that clears away all the clutter that has hidden the truth for so long, strips away the various lies that surround the case, exposes the Air Force attempts at cover-up, and found a core of solid information that tells us all where the case stands today. Roswell in the 21st Century will be available in just a few weeks. For more information, please visit my website at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. Afterlife expert Roberta Grimes was the first one to say that dying can be fun. Now her best-selling book, The Fun of Dying, is available in stores worldwide. So if you wonder whether death ends life, how it feels to die, or what heaven might be like, The Fun of Dying was written for you. And if you have always been afraid of death, or if you worry that your life is no meaning, let The Fun of Dying ease your fears and bring new meaning to your life. Nothing said in The Fun of Dying is based on the teachings of any religion. Instead, Roberta draws on evidence to explain how death happens, how it feels, and what comes next. A lot of the best death-related evidence was produced in the first half of the 20th century. When it is put together with recent discoveries, it tells a consistent and amazing story. Roberta Grimes blogs and answers questions at robertagrimes.com. Her wonderful book, The Fun of Dying, is available on Amazon and at stores worldwide wherever books are sold. Welcome back to the Ask Dr. Gibbs show. Uh, ended at a point where uh, his mixed up, uh, impassed patient is uh, talking about a dream which she finds of exceedingly uh, importance. And as she's relating the dream, Jung becomes aware that in back of him, there is a window. And tapping on the window is some kind of a bug-like creature. And he recognizes, because he was a, a, a botanist, he realizes that what's tapping is not only a bug, it's a very special bug. He gets up, he opens the window, he um, takes the bug in his hand, he goes over to the patient, he takes her hand and sticks in this beetle, and he says, here's your scareeb. And she is shocked in a very good way. Well, what's that all about? Well, it wasn't just any ordinary beetle. This was a scary beetle, which had the coloration 
with respect to that orange-yellow uh, coloration, so that it matched the color of the of the jewelry that she had relative to her uh, dream of the night before. When inner the dream content matched the outer, Jung giving her, handing her this scary object in her hand, which was a large part of the content of the dream, not only was she shocked in a good way, he was shocked in a good way. So from my vantage point, they had a shared synchronicity. Well, this was extremely important because uh, Jung goes on to say, in interestingly, just a couple of paragraphs, for a man who had copious notes about every patient he saw, a voluminous amount of material, he only had a couple of paragraphs with respect to the whole uh, experience, this iconic synchronicity experience, which he said was uh, among the most uh, important events of his lifetime. So this was a small piece of potatoes. Why was this important to Jung? Um, let me get back to the patient. She was sh seemingly shocked and so shocked that for a few moments in time, or maybe a few days, she was able to break out of this um, sort of crystallized um, rigid rigidity of hers and really begin to experience um, her consciousness of being alive in an entirely different way. And from Jung's point of view, she really had a therapeutic breakthrough. A and it took the form of this major synchronicity, which I think was a shared experience. It is noteworthy, it seems to me, <clears throat> that he does not have any follow-up which leads me to believe that she had a temporary breakthrough, uh, which was fine, but really didn't do the trick. And he had a problem in admitting that um, it, only, it was only temporary. Meanwhile, it wasn't temporary for him because he goes on to have a um, – he doubles down on his interest in th synchronicities. At this particular time, he had discovered – synchronicities. He had many experiences. He had many patients who had these things, but he's sort of at a loss as to what do you do with them? And the what do you do with them is exceedingly important because they seem to defy uh, science. They seem to be unexplainable because when they happen, as I've mentioned before, they, they, they come at you like firefly flashes and they're seemingly unpredictable and spontaneous and uh, science operates from the vantage point of being able to pin these things down on an experimental uh, table, <clears throat> and, and uh, experiments involved cause and effect and scientific method, and they seem to defy scientific method. Well, he was the kind of person who um, accepted what he saw, and if it defied scientific method and you couldn't seem to pin him down using uh, principles of causality, then maybe um, – you had to uh, be brave enough to consider that, at least with certain experiences like these kind of things, that you have a different paradigm. You have an entirely different worldview. And in doing so, he was brave enough to pit himself against uh, his master, Freud, and conclude that Freud's great in terms of the particular people he works with, but he doesn't work universally with everybody. And with certain patients like this woman who was call them synchronicity prone, you got to have an entirely different approach. And as a result of this kind of thinking, he literally, uh, after he had a breakdown, <laughs> which lasted for a number of years, and he was able to go inside himself and conclude um, Freud's right up to a point, but he's not right for him, 
And it was during this point where he had what is referred to as a creative illness, where he, um, in effect, rejected the basic findings of uh, Freud and had to uh, create his own uh, brand of psychoanalysis, which lasts until today. Well, what is his brand of psychoanalysis? What did he um, conclude? He concluded that for a number of patients, particularly older patients who were 35 plus, that they weren't complaining about what patients uh, complained about with Freud, meaning they weren't complaining of issues of sexual dysfunction or problems with aggression. They were complaining about problems with respect to a lack of meaning. A lot of these people were highly successful, but when they got that age, 35, 40, 45, 50, they had a crisis of meaning. So that success was, you know, bitter. So they're famous, make a lot of money and all that. They couldn't enjoy it. They couldn't enjoy it because in this crisis of meaning, they often felt, why am I getting up? I'm going to die eventually. Who cares? And the likes. And they felt empty and often lost. So they looked good, but they didn't feel good. And he concluded that for such people, their problem, in addition to um, possibly issues of sexuality and um, aggression, were more in the sense of trying to reconnect with what he deemed their spiritual source. And so in his basic attitude then, being a Platonist, was that there is this sense of unity and absolute truth and wisdom that everybody before birth is um, subject to. And that when you're born, the self, the individual self, fragments and forgets all of the wisdom that, it, that they had had previous to uh, being born, and that they're divided selves, and that the central purpose in both therapy and in living is to become aware of these splits and reconcile them and plug in what he refers to as the transcendent function, which is a reconnection with this assumed realm of absolute truth and spirituality. That's neat. That's a great theory. Um, and as I said, 95% of the unions uh, believe that. So that ultimately the problem in analysis is to connect with this missing uh, sense of spirituality and all that it implies. I went that route. I, I was lost. I was empty. I felt meaningless. That's why I got immersed in union literature. And when I discovered synchronicities, I ate all everything I could up relative to this whole idea of there may be guiding forces. I guess what I'm trying to say is it's, it's, no, it's no coincidence that people become interested in coincidences. It has to do with making meaningful connections. So people, I think, who become absorbed in the pursuit of having these experiences and some of them trying to figure out what they all are about are really ultimately interested in making meaningful connections, probably with themselves and their work and their impasses and so forth. Some, as I said, just go the way of, of faith and want experiences of numinosity and like the uh, entertainment factors of having these things and communicating and aha experiences and so forth. Others who uh, want more information or want to have uh, – that are aware of these implications of and ask questions is, am I really being guided? Who's doing the guidance and so forth? And if not that, then who is? 
will start to ask questions and so forth. Jung, importantly, came up with three anti-scientific arguments, one having to do with methodology, that you can't pin these things down, therefore you can't use scientific method, one having to do with meaning, and the others having to do with time, and all of them uh, being used as arguments to be um, to prevent anybody from trying to rationalize what these things are and said scientific method as we understand it is not going to work. So that um, his theory essentially is based upon being in a way anti-scientific or anti-rationalizing what these things are all about, saying that in effect you can't have a science of uh, synchronicities. My um, whole uh, purpose as I got into um, the subject matter, and particularly when I went into psychoanalysis and, and plugged in what I didn't realize was a missing uh, sense of uh, critical thinking. As I was able to use my brain and come back and understand um, what Jung or how, how Jung had arrived at his particular theory, I began to find that there were more answers um, raised with respect to this subject matter than had absolute answers. So among the questions that I started to raise was, um, he threw out causality as a uh, linking principle joining inner and outer events in all synchronicities and said, came up with this fantastic conclusion that these things are acausally connected. Acausality is really a silly term which simply means we don't know how they join together. So we'd say it's not, it's not used through ordinary cause and effect uh, principles. I started to raise questions like what is the nature of causality and what is, the, what is meaning and the relationship between cause and meaning and the meaning of meaning, these kind of questions, and discovered that you can indeed throw out conventional causality as a linking principle to explain synchronicities. But what that may mean is you don't necessarily have to throw out the causality baby with the uh, bath. Maybe you need to revise your ideas about causality. We'll have to leave off at this point more of that to come next um, broadcast. Thank you for being part program. Wish you all well. Happy holidays.